Howdy folks, Rob Noxious, Drunk Noxious, back again. Today, we're going to be talking about the mainstream media. And in particularly, we're going to be linking up <clears throat> with two very particular things. First, Richard Dawkins. If you don't know who he is, go look him up, take a pause, come right back. He wrote a book called The Selfish Gene. And in that book, he talked about how ideas can function like genes. Like genes, G-E-N-E-S, genetic code. But they can function in society. And he calls them memes, M-E-M-E. -E. You know about memes today. But that's not what a meme actually is. It's functioning as a meme, yes. But a meme is an idea passed down from one generation to the other. And the greatest explanation that I can come up with is marriage. Marriage, marriage is what brings us together. Marriage is a meme. It has been in every form of civilization going back thousands of years. It is the most successful meme other than cultivation of crops, society, alcohol, and war. <clears throat> it is older than the nation state predating the nation-state by almost 500 years. Marriage exists in Phoenician, Jewish, Egyptian, and various other civilizations. It even exists in, in, in Sumer, Mesopotamia, predating modern civilization, predating Alexander by thousands of years. Marriage has been around for a very long time, and it gets passed down to every single generation, without question, until the most recent time. <laughs> Sorry, there's a fly flying around here. Why is it successful? Because it's innately part of the human race's monogamous tendencies. Humanity is not completely monogamous. But it has monogamous tendencies. It has a tendency to want to consolidate wealth and power. And the easiest way to do that is through marriage. But Dawkins talks about all sorts of things that get passed down. Clothing. The Romans wore togas. Well, the wealthy ones did. The poor wore tunics, called a tunica. Tunics, they were essentially short dresses. Underwear, not really a big thing until modern memory, unless you were wealthy. Bras wouldn't even be invented until the 1800s. <clears throat> and although there were various versions of bras in the 1700s and 1600s, they were primarily for the wealthy. The point is, what gets passed down? Language, culture, but that changes. Do you speak Latin? Are you Roman? No. Are you Visigoth? Are you Lombard? Are you Frankish? There are traces of all of them still around. The Frankish people eventually conquered what is now known as Francia or France. France. But the Roman law is still being practiced in the United States of America, which supersedes the Roman state by 1300 years. And if you want to go back to 1453 and play semantics, then 500 years. Well, no, 300 years. 320 years, sorry. Bad math. 
323 to be exact, 1453 to 1776. But the point is, no one speaks Latin anymore, unless it's ecclesiastical Latin, and that's not classical Latin. You don't pronounce it the same. Um, point being, you wouldn't say Caius Julius Kaiser. You would say Gaius Julius Caesar. But that's the difference between medieval ecclesiastical Latin and classical Latin. The point I'm making here is we're talking about a dead language and a dead culture. Sure, the Italians are still around, but are they Roman? Were they ever Roman? That's a good question for social studies if you want to study what the difference between a Roman and Italian was, but we're not getting into that. The point is the meme. The meme is something passed down through every generation. Sometimes memes die. Sometimes they don't. But what does seem to stick around are people of power. And people of power have for centuries dreamed of a way of reaching every one of their citizens and being able to carefully craft a message to their subjects so that they may easily fall in line behind the crown or later parliament or later you know legislatures and presidents and prime ministers and you know all that sort of highfalutin democracy stuff point is every ruler wants to be able to reach the common person as quickly as possible at first it was really just you crafted your image as best you could, and if as many people of power agreed with you, then you'd go to the common people and say, well, these people agree with me, and I'm going to work with you too. And then you'd try your best to work with the common, and then you'd do your best to keep the wealthy in line. The, but that's faction. Over time, that didn't really change, because even though the Romans were powerful, they were not technologically innovative. Most of the time, the Romans just stole technology that had beaten them. The idea, like when they were fighting the Celtiberians in Hispania, they noticed that they used a double-edged sword that was not a full sword. It was almost a long rapier, but it was double-edged, and it, 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 it started at a very sharp point, and then it, came, it flanged out into a broad blade and then came to a hilt. And they named it the Gladius, the Gladius. <clears throat> And this Gladius is where we get the name Gladiator. But the Gladius, whenever you watch a movie about Rome and you'll see the Roman legions, they're carrying a kind of mid-range to short-range sword. It's not very long, but it's not short. It's kind of a mid-length sword. And it's double-edged, meaning it's a blade on both sides with a very sharp tip. And it's got a circular handle with a very, very, very short grip. The idea being, you just want the grip there to protect someone from slicing up. When the blade slides down, you don't want another person's blade sliding down your blade and then cutting your freaking hand off or slicing your arm. So it just stops the blade from hitting your hand, but you don't want it too long because it just adds weight to it. That's what the Romans did. They stole ideas, but they were never innovative. They would just, whoever had a better technology, they stole it, they honed it, they made it their own. Which is why, from their collapse to the modern day, pretty much, nothing really changed. You still had to carry message by horseback. They didn't reinvent the wheel. They didn't reinvent, you know, sending messages. Sure, they improved messaging 
through what's called the uh, relay system, where a rider would race from one relay, relay uh, rider A would go to relay B, rider B would go to relay C, rider C would go to relay D, and it just that way you didn't tire your horse out. That way you could have someone who's fresh and ready to go, and you'd hit relays along the way, and it actually went from four weeks down to two weeks in terms of a 500-mile journey of sending messages. Instead of four weeks to maybe even six weeks in between messaging, you could go down to three or even two weeks. That's the sort of thing they were looking for. They just wanted to make what they had faster. And that lasted all the way up to the modern day, pretty much. Until Nikola Tesla and Thomas Edison helped hone electricity. Now I can text someone in Japan in less than a millisecond. Less than a second, sorry. A couple hundred milliseconds. I got a video call with someone on the moon. That allows them to reach you at every second of every day. Every second of every minute of every hour of every day of every week of every month of every year of every century and of every millennia. They now have a means of reaching you before information can become confused or contradictory. <clears throat> Let's say so-and-so got a little hand grabby back in the 80s. In the 1890s, or let's go back to the 1800s, just 1800. If there was a sordid affair of someone at the very top, good luck ever finding out about that until much, much later. It could be decades before you learned that Napoleon had a illegitimate child with Marie Valeska of Poland. It could take decades for the common person to learn that. Because that's how slowly information would go from the upper classes down to the lower classes. In the 1800s, George Floyd dying, his murder, as judged by a jury, would have never been known. Ever. Because the spread of information is so slow and the status of the person so low that the information would have been deemed useless before it even reached someone of any importance. But now we have the internet. We have walking recorders. We can record actions as they're happening and then live stream them to the internet. Live as they're happening. If you told Napoleon about this technology, he would have shit his pants. And then would have demanded, how did you set it up and when can I have it? Because every leader of every country loves to know what everyone is up to. Well, think of the NSA tracking down terrorists, flying planes into buildings. Wouldn't it be great if we knew every action they ever made on their cell phone their Google searches, their conversations with family and friends, either audio or text, the pictures they have on their phones, everything. 
Everything's in this little thing. This little chocolate bar shaped computer. They have everything. And you may say, oh, I have some privacy. <laughs> the Fourth Amendment's pretty much in run. The internet is an end run around the Fourth Amendment. And Facebook is also an end run around the Fourth Amendment. If you don't believe me, uh, just, j just uh, you keep trucking. Because uh, I'm not going to argue with you. Because obviously, I know more about the internet than you do. Imagine that there was a program designed to filter information so that you only got the information that the people who ran the program wanted you to get. What if you only got information, like it used to be back in the day that, you know, the Associated Press and Reuters would just give you free information. And then you'd get it through the news or through the newspaper. And there'd be a filter just to get rid of some of the, you know, you know, we, we, we don't need children reading about, you know, mass rape and mass genocide and murder and all those things that children just don't need to know about until they grow up and they can more understand the evils of the human race. But what if there was information that they just didn't report? How would you know? They didn't report it. How would you know? Well, they're, they're, information's free. Yeah. So is Genshin Impact. You played that game? You ever notice how the free things are the things that you know less and less about? Because there's no money in free. Well, that's why we need to become a socialist or communist state. Okay. Well, you know. Soviet Russia had banks. They actually had a national bank. And they used the ruble, which is a currency. They had currency in Soviet Russia. You'd be surprised to believe they used money in Russia. And would you believe that the government bureaucrats got paid more? Than, than the plebeians. There were bourgeoisie in the Soviet Union. That's the irony. See, the bourgeoisie in the Soviet Union, the government bureaucrats, got to drive around in fancy cars with their own driver. Their own driver. They didn't have to drive their own cars. They had a driver. And the head members of the Soviet Union had dachas, nice little palaces, palisades, mansions out on the coast, just like our presidents and senators and representatives and Supreme Court judges. So nothing changed when the Soviet Union was formed. And that's information they won't tell you. The only difference between the Soviet Union and the United States is that there are elections in the United States. We at least pretended to have a democracy. And we still do pretend. 
You were bought and paid for from the moment you were born. Yeah, sure, you can riot and burn buildings to the ground, but eventually some happy old man will show up with a young, bright, diverse woman from California, and everything's going to be okay. We can put the pitchforks down now. We won. We won, baby. We don't need to burn the cities to the ground anymore. We got rid of the guy who was going to dismantle the whole system. That imprisons you. But I'm not imprisoned. I'm free person. My vote counts. Yeah, your vote counts. I believe you. Moving on. What if there was a system that could control what you think? why you think it and how you feel about it and furthermore how you should feel about everything you don't have an opinion on that why um i didn't know i needed to have an opinion on everything the grain subsidy needs to end what the fuck is a grain subsidy You now see how you're being controlled. You have no idea what the fuck the grain subsidy is, but you're being told that they're bad. And so, you know, orange grain subsidies are bad. Why? You don't know. You're just told that they're bad because it's corporate welfare. And anything that has the words corporate in it is evil. But see, here's the funny thing. Welfare is good, but corporate welfare is bad. So does that mean that welfare is half good, half bad? No, 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 no. It's bad because it's corporate. Yeah, but it's still welfare. So is welfare bad? No, 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 no. Welfare is good, but corporate welfare is bad. Okay. Well, you might want to choose another word because when you say corporate welfare is bad, I am now assuming portions of welfare are bad. Because corporate welfare, you had to put an adjective there, corporate, which tells me that a subset of welfare is bad. Which means portions of welfare could be bad. No, 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 no. You don't understand. No, I understand. What I understand is that you were told that all welfare to poor people is good. Welfare to the rich people isn't. But you didn't think that through. But now I'm just going to drag you in circles because I like watching you squirm in your britches. Why? I don't know. I'm legitimately intellectually bored because the majority of things I want to talk about I can find no one to talk about it with nothing because half the time I run into the MSNBC folk the CNN folk the Fox News folk or those idiots over there who put on tinfoil hats and think that vaccines cause 5G and those are my choices and you very rarely run into someone who actually does think that way but they get scared because they're worried of what other people will think of them if they actually open their mouth and say something that is, you know, in that line of thinking. So they immediately shut it down and walk away. And me, I'm that guy who's going to be hauled before a kangaroo court someday, 30 years from now, because I don't believe that two-year-old children should be have their balls cut off so that they can begin a transgender transition. Two-year-olds. But you know what? 
I'll go in front of that kangaroo court. I'll spit on the judge, and I'll gladly have my head cut off just so that you can sleep at night and feel better that a two-year-old out there might be able to transition to something they, at that point, they're still shitting in their pants. But they're fully cognizant of what's going on. But they still can't use the toilet. Makes perfect sense. Not potty trained, but fully understands a socially constructed notion of gender. Right on board. Say no more, Captain. My Captain, my Captain. Moving on. They control you by putting emotional tags to things so that whenever someone tries to argue with you and try to apply logic, you immediately become emotional and then you have to attack them because you're told that that person is bad. They're a Nazi or they're, you know, they're Pol Pot, even though Pol Pot was a friend of the United States or they're Mao. But Mao's a good person, even though he killed over 100 million people, you know, either through starvation or just through war. But, you know, Mao Zedong, great man. Or Mao Zedong, or Mao Tetong. I mean, uh, who the fuck knows what his name's pronounced? It's in Chinese. And I'm an American. I speak English. You don't speak Chinese? No, never been there. And I don't think I ever will. I tried to learn uh, Beijing Mandarin, and uh, I'm tone deaf. As you've probably figured out by now. That is a pun. As I stared at this fan going in circles, I realized that I'm probably going in circles. But see, that's the funny thing of life. It goes in circles. You know, the sun rises, the sun falls. The sun rises, the sun falls. The moon rises, the moon falls. And then we go around a circle every 365.25 days around the sun. And the sun is round. And the earth is obloid spherical, elliptical, roundish. Jupiter is somewhat round. Most of the planets are somewhat round. And it just goes round and round and round and round. Double labor the point. I've spent my entire adult life trying to understand why I was so pissed at everything. And then I realized it was because I was being told bullshit. Utter bullshit. And I couldn't figure out why it was bullshit. And then I realized if I started thinking about what they were saying. And I'm just sitting there and I'm drunk. And I'm just sitting there like, maybe it'll make sense if I'm drunk. And it didn't. And then I get sober and I sit in a hot shower and I sit there for an hour and I'm like, it still doesn't make sense. And then it hit me one Christmas when we were all sitting there singing Kumbaya to our Lord and Savior, (coughs) the flying spaghetti monster. And I realized, oh, it makes sense now. People want to belong to something bigger than themselves because they know how little and tiny they are. I know how little and tiny I am which is why I'm trying to be a bigger person. That is a pun. The point is, when you actually sit down and think about the things that you're told, the reason why you can't understand it is because you can't. That is the sign of an intellectual mind, is when you realize that things that don't make sense don't make sense because they don't make sense. Something that is nonsensical doesn't make sense because it's ridiculous. But the only reason you believe it is because you have ascribed yourself to an ideology. And that's what they're telling you, that the only way to fit into this ideology is you have to believe (coughs) 
that a zombie, a man who died and came back from the dead, somehow moved a <coughs> 300-pound boulder <coughs> and then walked on water. And when that doesn't sound ridiculous, how about when you sit there and watch a video of a poor uh, drug-addled man who had a bad life? You know, he is addicted to drugs, had all sorts of drug issues, and he made a mistake and the cops got him. But instead of just cuffing him and throwing him in the paddy wagon and letting him stew in his own filth for a while and figure out what the fuck he's done with his life and maybe come to Jesus. It didn't sound right. Uh, have a come to Jesus moment. Instead of just throwing him in the paddy wagon, uh, some dude put his uh, knee on his neck for about nine minutes. Uh, maybe almost ten. Either way, that was uh, about nine minutes too long. Um, I don't know about you, and you can argue all you want, and you can go out there with all your crazy conspiracy theories, but if someone was on my neck for about 10 minutes, I'd probably die too. But then you watch how they carefully craft the message. Black man killed by a white cop. Immediately, the conservatives have to jump on and protect police, so they say, well, he was a drug addled person. Well, the truth is in the middle. Yes, he had a drug problem. Yes, he was probably high as shit. But at the end of the day, the cops should have recognized that and then thrown him in the paddy wagon and maybe have called a medic. You know, because, you know, protect and serve. You know, and the first part of protect is recognizing that you have a person who's probably high on drugs and then recognizing they have shallow breathing. It doesn't take very long to notice someone has shallow breathing. They sound like this. <laughs> Not very hard to notice, you know, because you notice when someone breathes, they're like, <sighs> you know, that's kind of an exaggeration, but it's more like, <sighs> you know, just normal breathing. But when they're like, it's not, it doesn't take long for anyone to notice that. And they should have thrown the paddy wagon, called a fucking medic and said, hey, let's get you looked at here, buddy. We're going to take you in because obviously you broke the law. We're going to get a medic for you. We're going to take you in. We're going to get you booked. And. We'll figure out what the judge thinks of the whole thing. Rather than doing that, they just put his, you know, their knee on his neck for like nine minutes. You know, it's like, are you fucking stupid? You got to be goddamn stupid. First of all, be high on drugs and at a, you know, a political rally. You know, just, you know, stay home and get high on drugs. You know, that's what most people do. Well, although this new generation, they like get high on drugs and drive around and hang out and, you know, they act completely normal. And you're sitting there like, what's wrong with you? And it's like, oh, I'm acting completely normal. It's like, no, you just threatened three people because you lost at pool. And then you just gave another guy a drug that you knew he couldn't handle. And now he's passing out on the floor. But you're acting completely normal. Either way, the whole point is. As I'm making here, and I know this is all ambiguous, you don't know who I'm talking about, but I'm making a point here. You need to look for the truth, and the truth is always in the middle. One side saying, he did no wrong, he was the greatest man who ever lived, and the cops just dragged him down and beat him up. Bullshit. But on the other side is, you know, the cops saying, he was just wrong, we had to put him down. Well, that's bullshit too. No, the answer is, he was just some poor fuck who's dipshit high on drugs, 
who got involved in something he shouldn't have been getting involved in high on drugs and then he got murdered. And I agree with the jury's output. And if you don't agree with me, fine. Fuck you. I, you're listening to my podcast, not yours. You want to make a podcast? Go make your own. You know why? I control the message here. You know why? Because I'm creating the message. I control the context. I control what information you hear. And I can control how it is thought about. Do you see now? Bringing it around. By listening to this, I'm controlling your mind throughout every single bit of this using little techniques I've learned over the last three years I've been making this podcast privately. Because the microphones are in both speakers, if I whisper into one and the other, it creates a weird mono stereo effect. It's a neat effect instead of me talking to the computer, I can use the computer as a means of creating a message, rhetoric. Rhetoric is one part speech, another part context. You know, Antony could stand up and give a grand old speech about how great Caesar is. And everyone say, oh, well, you've been sucking his dick since the Battle of Elysia. But after Caesar's murdered, and here's Caesar's dead body covered in blood and knife marks all over his toga. And Antony can stand up and say, friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I come to bury Caesar. Not to praise him. The evil that men do live long after them. So let it be with Caesar. And Brutus is an honorable man. After all, we're all honorable men. And that's the funny thing about that line. If you say Brutus was an honor Brutus is an honorable man. And you know, we are all honorable men. But if I say it with a different intonation, you know, Brutus is an honorable man. After all, we're all honorable men. Antony is playing to the crowd. He realizes that everyone in the crowd knows Brutus is full of shit. He's a wealthy, well-to-do, spoon in his mouth, silver spoon in his mouth since birth. And Antony, he's making a joke when he says we are all honorable men. Everyone knows Antony is a whoremonger. He'll fuck anything with two legs. And so Antony is using humor by attacking himself. He attacks Brutus and it makes the crowd laugh because the crowd, they don't give a shit. They don't know anything about the rules and laws. And even if they did, they have no power. So what does it matter to them? But when Antony comes up here and says, we are all honorable men, and he laughs and everyone chuckles and everyone gets the joke that Antony's admitting the fact that, yeah, he's a man whore. But by saying we are all honorable men, he's attacking Brutus, saying Brutus is not an honorable man. He's no honorable, more honorable than I am. That is controlling the message. And a lot of people don't understand how to control a message. They think that if you just go straight to the people and you admit the truth, when was the last time you admitted the truth to your girlfriend or your boyfriend? No, you try to show them in other ways. You don't say to them, I'm a little insecure about my hair. No, what you do is you get your hair cut to the way you want it to look. And then when your boyfriend compliments you, you can say, oh, thank you. This is the way I've always wanted it. And then you telegraph subtly to them that this is the way you wanted it. And he better get used to it. Or with a guy who comes home and he's like, oh, that's a shit day. And then you say, well, what was shit about it? And it's like, well, you know, John was being a jerk again. 
he was not listening to me and I, it was annoying, but I did my best. I got around him and I got people to listen to me. You know, I, I got around him, but it was just frustrating to have to deal with that. Instead of saying that sucks, you should say, well, it's a good thing that you found a way to get people to listen to you. It means you've learned a new trick. Instead of saying that sucks and then reinforcing the narrative, you could just say, hey, well, you got them to listen to you eventually. It means that you tried and you learned and now you know something new. Now you don't have to deal with John, who's a jerk anymore. You can go around John because, you know, it doesn't matter how long your wall is or how tall it is, you know, like Trump's wall. It doesn't matter whether it's 500 feet high and, you know, a thousand feet long. You can always just, you know, go to Cabo San Lucas, take a boat and land in frickin' Texas. You can take a boat. Eventually, you can get around the wall, or you could just, you know, grab a fucking airplane, because no one's going to build a wall 40,000 feet high. That would be ludicrous. <clears throat> but you see where I'm getting at. If you control the message, and you control the information in that message, by leaving out key elements, you can create an argument. And you know what the greatest thing about an argument is? It divides people. And now for our commercial break. This podcast is brought to you by Marble Lights, Coca-Cola, and Bacardi Rum. If anyone has found this podcast offensive, well, let's see if Coca-Cola, Marlboro, and Bacardi will boycott me. Because, you know, everyone's up for big boycotts these days. That'd be funny. Wouldn't that be interesting if, like, Coca-Cola came out and said, we're boycotting Rob Clark? Like, we're going to boycott him. Like, fuck that guy. Like, fuck him straight up his butthole. Like, take a giant Tonka truck straight up his ass with, I don't know, 300 pounds of sand. Yeah, fuck that guy. Anyway. Back to the show. Well, now we move on to the big one. In Metal Gear Solid 2, yeah, we're going there. The game starts off as Solid Snake. Badass. Sexy looking motherfucker. He's got all the cool things that every guy wants to say. All the ladies love him, and all the nerds love him. He's everyone's man, and he wears a skin-tight suit, and he's got a mullet. And for some reason, he's wearing a bandana. I don't get that. Maybe it's because it's Snake Plissken was the inspiration. You know, Kurt Russell running around. I mean, seriously, it's Kurt Russell. Seriously, it's Kurt Russell. Anyway, enough about how much I have a man crush on Kurt Russell. Yeah, that was too strong. But then again, I like him strong. Well, my drinks. Well, and my women, too. But anyway, we're, this isn't about me. It's about Metal Gear Solid 2 and not Kurt Russell. It's not about him either. Now we're gone off on a tangent. And that's what Metal Gear Solid 2 is. It is a giant fucking tangent. See, Metal Gear Solid 1 was about Solid Snake infiltrating the Shadow Moses nuclear waste disposal facility where nuclear warheads are dismantled carefully and uh, no not really they're actually just left there to rot because you know it's u.s government they claim they're disposing them but really they're just housing them in alaska which is the last place anyone of any 
environmental concern would want to focus their attention on because it is a giant what do they call it you know what is it called oh my god i'm blanking you know where the caribou roam it's it's ah yeah so i went and looked it up it's a tundra which if you don't know what a tundra is it is basically permafrost uh and by the word perma and frost I hope you can figure that one out. So anyway, it's where the caribou roam. I don't know where they find food, but somehow they make do. Anyway, Solid Snake infiltrates. He takes care of, uh, well, first he takes care of a dude carrying a revolver with a weird sort of Marquis de Sade sexual fetish of torturing people. Then he kills the arms tech chief. Then he kills the, well, first he kills Deco Octopus slash the Dark Chief. Then he kills the Armstack Chief. Then he meets Hal Emmerich, Otacon. And then he fights Gray Fox, who is a masochist. And then he, uh, long story short, deals with a, a psychic, uh, a, a beautiful sniper. Uh, he finds out he has a brother uh, who is blonde and talks about world domination and superior genetics. I'll let you read whatever you want into that one. And then they have a giant battle where the big giant robot Metal Gear fights Solid Snake and Snake takes down Metal Gear for like the third time. And then Snake and, and Liquid fight on top of the whole robot and they're punching each other. It's brother versus brother, you know, hand on hand combat. And then Liquid dies. Or so you think, because as soon as you walk like 30 feet out the door, he's chasing after you and you have to shoot him down again. And shooting at him with a 50 caliber uh, automatic weapon. Uh, a saw, probably. Uh, still not dead. But then suddenly the super virus that Snake has been holding in his body that Naomi didn't tell anyone about. Uh, Naomi, you don't need to worry about her. She's an interesting character, but go play the game. Anyway, so Snake's carrying a virus that kills people. It killed the DARPA chief, the Armstead president. killed almost everyone, part of Foxhound. And then it kills Liquid. <clears throat> and then Snake's like, well, when am I going to die? And Naomi's like, when you want to. And Snake's like... Oh, that's a great fucking answer. When I want to. Okay. <laughs> and that's what he does in MGS4. But the whole point is, is that entire plot is cut up and rearranged in what some people call the William S. Burroughs cut-paste method, which is where you write a story from A to, a to B to C to Z, and then you rearrange everything so it's like D, S, H, Q, G, 5. You know, it goes in a random order. And William S. Burroughs patented this. I don't think he patented it, but he, he, he paved the ground with books like Naked Lunch, uh, The Soft Machine, uh, The Ticket That Exploded. I don't know how tickets explode, but you can ask William Burroughs when you reach hell, because that's probably where he is. But the point is, using that technique, they took the entire plot of Metal Gear Solid 1 and rearranged it to make Metal Gear Solid 2. So even though in the beginning, you're starting from the tanker as Salt Snake, big badass, you know, sexy man, Kurt Russell knock off. And now you're playing as a blonde guy named Raiden, who's whiny, and he's, his girlfriend's been brought on along for the ride to help him out on the mission. And I just don't know what to do, Rose. And Rose is like, what day is tomorrow, Jack? And Raiden's like, uh, April 30th? And, and she says, yeah, it's April 30th. I wonder what day that could be. And every guy who's listening to this knows that when a woman asks what day it is tomorrow, it's either her birthday or your anniversary. So take a wild guess which one it is. 
Either way, the game has Raiden killing people and, and you know, defeating the evil menace so he can fight Metal Gear at the end. It's the same fucking plot. But at the very end, they do something, a wild twist, that threw me for a loop when I was 14 when I first played the game. They said that the whole thing was called the S3 plan, <clears throat> the Solid Snake simulation. They had devised a system in which they could create the perfect Solid Snake by recreating the Shadow Moses incident. That's partially true. Actually, that's what they were doing. They were creating an incident in which a relative nobody who had only really had VR training, which you can take that as a metaphor for playing video games, became the ultimate Solid Snake by defeating all the enemies in his path. But really what it proved is that by taking a story and cutting and pasting it into different sections, so instead of A, B, C, D, E, F, G, it's Q, H, 5, M, 4, 3, 5, G, 5, S, $6 more. You get with the point. It, the story was out of order, but it's still the same story. There's a dude who loves bombs. There's a dude who has some sort of psychokinetic powers. There's a sniper. There's, you know, just go down the list. And then you fight Metal Gear at the end. It's the same fucking story. It's the same as Metal Gear 2 and Metal Gear 1. And the same as 4 and 3. And you, you get the point. What I'm trying to say is, by cutting up the story and replaying it in a different order, they could create the same thing they wanted from the get-go, which is a relatively green soldier becoming essentially your ultimate special forces badass. And Raiden is a metaphor for the game player, showing that anyone given a chance to play Snake's story could be molded into Solid Snake. But see, this is where they went another loop, because they were probably dropping acid like flies. Lord of the Acid Flies. S3 was actually the selection for societal sanity. And to understand it, you need to understand Soren Kierkegaard existentialism, and you need to understand Richard Dawkins' The Selfish Gene. Because in genetics, let's say I find a female and she and I copulate, and I impregnate her. During that moment of conception, where the sperm penetrates the ovum, the genes now have to meet each other. If I have a submissive trait and she has that same trait in the submissive, then it becomes a submissive trait. But if the alleles are not matching and she has a dominant trait and I have a submissive trait, the child will have a dominant trait because dominant supersedes, overrides the submissive. So in order to get blonde hair, both your parents have to have the gene for blonde hair. Same for variations of blonde, such as red. Majority of human beings have brown hair, brown eyes. Very few of them will have green eyes, like me, <clears throat> and even fewer nowadays will have blue. Because the dominant trait for eyes is blue. The submissive trait is brown. Well, then why isn't everyone got blue eyes? Well, because there are more people with the submissive trait. 
someone with African ancestry links up with someone with African ancestry, probably not going to get blue eyes. Someone with African ancestry links up with someone with Asian ancestry, not going to have blue eyes. Someone from African ancestry links up with someone from Ireland or Scotland or England, very rare chance, but your child could end up with blue eyes. That all depends on if in any point in your ancestry that gene was passed down to you. But the selfish gene, why is it called selfish? Well, because memes can be chosen to be passed down. You can choose what to pass down to your children. It's up to them to take it up, like political beliefs, racial views, monetary ideals, like, you know, some people's parents are complete money wasters. They throw money down the toilet, but their kids, very tight with money. Or the opposite. The parents are complete tightwads and the children are overspenders. Because what Dawkins explains is that social genes are totally dependent on the experience of the individual based on how they're raised. So if they are, have a negative view of something they were raised on, they will change their behavior because behavior is taught at some point, but you can modify behavior via something called cognitive behavioral treatment, CBT. You can overcome your inherent flaws, things that you were taught as a child that you don't even think about. You can overcome these through this behavioral therapy, although Jung would disagree but, and so would Piaget. Piaget would say that anything locked in in childhood would be extremely difficult to get rid of. I mean, you'd have to be constantly on vigilance because there's always a moment where you might fall back into your childhood tendencies. But there's still the idea that you can at least fight them. <clears throat> and if not, try not to pass them along. And that's where we get the idea of a meme. But the idea, the problem with memes, <clears throat> with ideas, is that on a local level, ideas get spread very rapidly. And very few of them ever make it to a national level. However, as Dawkins was discovering, you know, he was thinking about, you know, he'd heard stories about what was then called the DARPA net, which eventually the US government will rename DARPA to ARPA, and it will be called the ARPANET. If you've ever used a computer and you go into the CLI and you type ARP-A, it will show you the ARP table. ARP comes from the Advanced Research Projects Agency, also known as ARPA. They created the internet. The problem with the internet is that information is no longer controlled. So let's say there's an outbreak in Toulon, you know, during the reign of the, you know, the Committee of Public Safety, the French Revolution. France, the French government can very carefully contain that information and try to stop the spread of that information to neighboring towns, villages, and cities north. Everyone in the vicinity of Toulon, which is down there near Marseille, it's in the southeast corner down there in the Mediterranean, everyone in that area is going to know Toulon, something's going on. But up in Brittany, or in the Vendée, which is northwest France, the French government doesn't want the Catholics in the Vendée to know that Toulon has revolted and even invited a British garrison in, because that would be disastrous to the Republic. It would mean that 
they would have to fight even harder on three fronts, the South, the East on the Rhine, and, and, and try and hold the Republic together as the combined monarchies of France, uh, monarchies of Europe try to cut the head off the Republic and install a Bourbon monarch back on the throne. In the age of the internet, wouldn't matter. There'd be everyone with cell phones taking pictures. Oh, look, here are the British. You see, see what I mean? It wouldn't matter. Someone takes a picture in Toulon, and suddenly it's in Beijing. It's in Moscow. It's in Johannesburg. It's in Sao Paulo. It's in Colombia. It's in San Francisco within seconds. You can't control that speed. The speed at which information is spreading and the colossal load of information that is being created is overwhelming to the point where some people like me are just like, I'm checked out, I don't care anymore. Like, I'll go out and drink with people and hang out with friends, and they'll be like, Rob, did you hear about the latest shooting? And I'm like, no. I'm like, why? You need, to, you, need to, you need to get up on it. You need to get to speed and get your opinion for it. And I'm like, no, don't care. You don't want to have an opinion? No, dude, I've spent my entire 20s having opinions on things that no one gave, even gave a shit about. And now you want me to have an opinion on something you want me to give a shit about. Even though for the past 10 years I've been asking you to think and, and understand things the way I'm saying. And you've ignored me for 10 years. And now you want me to listen to you. Fuck you. I don't want an opinion. Actually, I think that everyone's wrong. And they need to shut their fucking mouth, sit down, and have a goddamn discussion. Because it's getting old. It is getting really old to go out. Like, I am taking a break from going out and hanging out with people because at the end of the day, I am tired of having a fucking political argument. I have a degree in political science almost. I am two classes away. If I wanted to, I could go do it tomorrow. I just don't have the money or the time. I work 45 hours a week. Where is the time for me to go and do that or the money? You know, I've got bills to pay. And not only that, but I'm tired and I'm physically weak. I wouldn't have the constitution to all that handle all that stress. Maybe by the end of the year when I've recovered. But the point is, I don't want to have an opinion anymore. I am so jaded, so cynical of the whole process that at this point, I kind of wish a monarch would just step in and shut everyone up and point a gun at them and say, shut the fuck up. Nobody cares. Two years from now, no one's going to give a shit. The people who gave a shit will give, still give a shit. But 30 years from now, 30 years from now, someone born today, 30 years from now, you'll ask them who George Floyd is. It'll be a bookmark in their history book. It'll be one line. I know, the man's important. I get that. But 100 years from now, will anyone remember? 200 years from now, 300 years from now. 400 years from now, 500 years from now, 600 years from now. 500 years ago was Shakespeare. Do you even know any of the contemporaries of Shakespeare? What about Ben Jonson? Hell, what about Queen Elizabeth I? Did you know that during the reign of Queen Elizabeth I, Shakespeare wrote his plays? I didn't know that because that is how ignorant of history I was. Because I didn't follow British history. I studied the Roman and, and French history. I didn't really study English, English history. The Globe Theater was built for Shakespeare by the crown. By Queen Elizabeth I, Virginia. 
No, Virginia is a state. No, Virginia is the nickname given to the Virgin Queen, Queen Elizabeth I, who never had a husband and never had a legitimate child. There are rumors she had illegitimate children, but no legitimate child. And when she died, the crown passed to her cousin, James I, which is where we get the term or city name, Jamestown, which is in Virginia. Georgia, named after a British king, George II or George III. Take your pick. Pennsylvania, William Penn. New Jersey, Jersey. Carolina, named after Charles II. Carolina, which is Latin for Charles. You didn't know that. Why? Because people have tightly controlled the information you learn in high school. Nobody cares that Carolina is named after Charles II. It's probably going to be mentioned as a, you know, a footnote. Hey, you want to hear an interesting trivia question you guys can talk about when you're drinking beer on the cornfield? And everyone in the room is like, oh, God. No, please, no. Charles II. Charles in Latin is Carolina. And I was like, oh, God. I know that one guy is going to be out here this weekend, and he's going to bring that up. And he's going to think he's important because he knows that the Latin name for Charles is Carolina. Can we not invite him? Can we not invite Rob? It's a good idea. I made my point. Anyway, so the Selection for Societal Sanity is a computer program designed to filter all the information created by humans all around the globe and filter it and provide context that is relevant to the ruling power. The ruling power is what? It rhymes with rank. You guessed it. It's a bank. Banks control the world. And if you don't believe so, then you're wrong. And I'd advise you to go get educated on that. The number one rule of every government is the reason we built this massive army and this massive navy is because we've got a bank. And we have to protect our money. And it's our money. Well, no, it's... Everyone's money. It belongs to the people. <laughs> yeah, sure. That's why we're charging you $10 a month for a debit card, right? We're charging you money for a debit card. If that doesn't tell you that you're owned, then I don't know what will. Don't know what will. See, there's this thing called a bank. And you know what banks like? Money. You know what banks love more than money? More money. And you know what creates a lot of money? War. You see, war, what war does is the government buys a shit ton of expensive things and they need to finance that through, you guessed it, it rhymes with groan. It's called a loan. And what do loans have? They have a principal and they have interest. And so when the US government takes that loan for their brand new F-35 fighter or their brand new Gerald R. Ford class aircraft carrier capital ship, 
which will have probably about 45 F-35s on them. So that's about $4 billion for the Gerald R. Ford, and then it's about $400 million per F-35. Those numbers are probably not true, but the point is, that's a lot of fucking money. If I had that money, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. I'd just be fucking a hooker. Or hell, I'd just give Carl Jansen some money and say, hey, come over and hang out. I know that's a little sick, but at the end of the day, if I had a billion dollars, I wouldn't give two flying fucks about recording this podcast. I would be on my island, uh, fucking a hooker, probably drinking myself into oblivion, and eating caviar. Not because I like caviar, I think caviar's sick, but because I can afford it. Why? I don't know. I only have so much time on this planet, and I don't know if God exists, so I'm going to do everything in this life to just enjoy the shit out of it. You would too. And that's the funny thing about all this communist socialist bullshit. It's mostly just penis envy. And when I say penis envy, I mean money envy. You're just jealous you don't have that money. Because I bet you 10 bucks if you won a billion dollar lottery tomorrow. You would probably be doing everything Mitt Romney and Barack Obama and all of our good friends in the Congress do. Hide their money. The reason why you don't want them to hide their money is because you want them to give you something in return for not hiding their money, which is, you know, know, let's have universal income. You know, let's just lay around all day and play Xbox. Sounds like a good idea, right? We'll just lay in bed all day. Sounds great. I'd love to do that. Except I make enough money to where the United States government has decided that and the Georgia state government has decided that I make uh, I make too much and I need to I need to give up some of that to them you know all taxation is theft and I will never get rid of my libertarian roots ever and when I say libertarian not left libertarian I'm right libertarian although at this point I might become a monarchist if you people stop keep arguing from my point of view the government should be as far away from me as possible and doing as little as possible. It should only be providing me three things. <clears throat> Protection from foreign nations. Maybe a little help here and there. I don't need you to pay my rent, but what I would like you to do is maybe tell the insurance companies to eat a big bag of fucking dicks. And when I say eat them, I mean, we're talking like that movie deep throat I, I want you to deep throat the whole bag just take the whole paper bag of dicks and shove it down your throat as quickly as possible that that would be great <clears throat> actually if joe biden went to the insurance companies tomorrow and said suck my fucking dick on national television i would vote for him until he died hell i would fund personally i would take every dime i had to fund to find a cure for death so that joe biden never died because if Joe Biden goes out and makes the head, the, the head of Aetna suck his dick on national television and the Oval Office, and it is filmed like a porno and posted to Pornhub, and it's free. Because, you know, it's the President of the United States getting his dick sucked by the head of Aetna. I will vote for Joe Biden any day of the week because I hate insurance companies. I don't like Joe Biden, but if he did that tomorrow, if he said on Thursday... The head of Aetna 
will pull down my pants, pull my cock out, and suck on it for two and a half hours, live streamed on Facebook. I will vote for him. Because the problem with this country is actually <clears throat> insurance. But no one wants to talk about that because the insurance companies got fucking everyone in their fucking pocket. Not Nancy Pelosi. She's a she's the girl of genius. She would never. Oh, her husband was on the board that helped Visa go public, and that's why Nancy Pelosi is worth over five hundred million dollars because her husband was the head of the IPO. And guess what he did on day one? He bought stock. He bought a lot of stock. He bought all the stock. They're not rich. But you know what? She's a, she's a great gal. Yeah. Her and John McCain. Let's go attack other nations. Despite the fact that John McCain ended up in a, as a prisoner of war, as a result of a bad U.S. policy decision to invade another nation. But we're not talking about Vietnam right now. We're talking about the selection for societal sanity. And now you see, for the last about five, ten minutes now, I've sounded a little insane, haven't I? Been going off on tangents, conspiracy theories, speculation. What if we just allowed all sorts of conspiracy theories, insanity, and um, speculation just run rampant? all over the internet, you know, like idiots who blindly follow hedge fund managers who want to fuck around on Reddit, and they said, hey, let's blow up GameStop stock, and let's blow up cryptocurrency, and then as cryptocurrency and, he and GameStop stock starts to rise, they all buy in, and then when it reaches what they think is the peak, they all sell, and it crashes. You idiots just made another $100 million for hedge funds. Because they tricked you into thinking that you're going to take these capitalist bastards down a peg. Really, all you did is just make another $200 million for hedge funds. And then they took that $300 million and they bought $400 million in stock and a $500 million venture that will eventually produce $800 million in returns. And as soon as that billion dollars is invested, they will produce a $10 billion enterprise. And that, my friends, is known as hedge ramp, which is where a bunch of hedge funds make a lot of money and then they quietly reroute it into the same place. And you go from what was initially a $100 million investment and then two years later it's a $10 billion company. And you're like, well, where the fuck did all this money come from? Flow of information. They didn't tell you jack shit. And they didn't tell the government either. And you know why they didn't tell the government? They paid all the taxes, clean and clear. And so the government looked the other way. Even though they violated all the laws, they paid their taxes as best they could. But that's illegal. They can't get away with it. Bernie Madoff. They control everything that gets out to you. The only reason why they ever have to go after someone is because it, the information is spread so far and so fast they have no choice. It's the same thing that happened with that fat fuck, uh, what's his name? Um, Weinstein. 
All of Hollywood loves Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein is the beloved child of Hollywood because every movie he makes makes hundreds of millions of dollars. And everyone's going to look the other way while he sticks two fingers up a girl's butt through a skirt because they're going to say, oh, well, you know, I didn't hear that. Who? Harvey who? Weinstein? Never heard of him. Why? Because he makes everyone rich. But enough information reached Twitter, and then every two-bit suburban mom with a wine problem. Whining or whining? W-H or W-I? W-H-I or W-I? Either way, they said, you can't let rich men just molest women like that. And Hollywood's like, shut the fuck up, he's making us money. And everyone on Twitter's like, I don't care how much money you're making. It's just wrong. And Hollywood's like, shut the fuck up. Do you want another Marvel movie? I'm like, I don't want another Marvel movie. My kids are going to eat quinoa. And Hollywood's like, well, I don't know what quinoa has to do with a billion-dollar Marvel franchise, but sure, I guess we're going to throw him in prison. And so they threw him in prison. Same thing with Bill Cosby. Same thing with what's-his-name from House of Cards. They just got to the point where, hey, buddy, we have to throw you under the bus because these fucking retards on Twitter just won't shut the fuck up. And he's like, well, I guess that's how it goes. You do realize that with wealth and power comes complete power and complete control beyond anything you could possibly imagine. The only reason they throw him under the bus is because enough people make a big stink about it. But then again, just imagine how many other thousands of people are doing the same thing. But it just hasn't become public yet. It's information you don't know. They're controlling you. So when Harvey Weinstein gets arrested, they make a big stink about it. Because it's ratings. And that's why Trump succeeded. Because it's ratings. And if there are more people watching, they're watching commercials. Commercials are money. Money is revenue. The deep state told the mainstream media that, hey, you made this guy president. That's your fault. I need you to make him unmake him president. And the mainstream media was like, we're having a circus here, and we're making a shit ton of money. Can we do two terms, and then we can basically take him down? We'll just follow him into court for the rest of his godforsaken life. And the deep state said, we don't have time. He's actually making progress. And the media said, progress? He's making progress? Yeah, he's actually doing what he said he was going to do. That's why they got rid of Trump, after they created him. Thank you, media. But you have to realize, there are people in this country who are not woke, but they're awakening. They're realizing they've been lied to for a very long time. Obama was going to fix things. There are no more red states and blue states. And then it was Mitch McConnell and the Republicans are just being obstructionist. And then it's, the Republicans are racist and whatever. And then Trump comes in, it's, the Democrats are all communists and socialists. It's bullshit. I know a lot of Democrats who hate socialism and communism. They're good people. Anyone who hates socialism and communism is a good person. And a majority of Democrats are not socialist or democratic. I mean, sorry. Get what I mean. Point is, 
you're being lied to. The selection for societal sanity is a means of controlling the information you get with the objective of making sure that you don't have any information that is ambiguous or if it's ambiguous, you just roll over it. Meaning you just forget about it or you don't even notice it. You don't investigate further like Bernie Madoff. How is it that the former head of the NASDAQ tricked people in the NASDAQ into a pyramid scheme? Was it tricked? Or were they saying it was tricked because they needed to save their skin? Was it tricked? Were they really tricked? The head of NASDAQ tricked me. I don't know how he did it. Hold on, let me check my bank account. Yeah, he tricked me. Totally tricked me. Excuse me, I gotta call my lawyer. Are we clean? We're good. There's no trace. Oh shit, am I being recorded? Fuck, I gotta end this recording. You see what I mean. And now I'm gonna end with this. Thank you very much for putting up with me for this past hour. It got a little weird, but the point is you're going to understand what I did. If you understand the subtext, the context, and the plot. Ryden is about to find out how he's been tricked. Just listen. I will triumph over the Patriots and liberate us all, and we will become... The Sons of Liberty! Raiden, are you receiving? We're still here. How's that possible? The AI was destroyed! Only GWs. Who are you? To begin with, we're not what you'd call human. Over the past 200 years, a kind of consciousness formed layer by layer in the crucible of the White House. It's not unlike the way life started in the oceans four billion years ago. The White House was our primordial soup, a base of evolution. We are formless. We are the very discipline and morality that Americans invoke so often. How can anyone hope to eliminate us? As long as this nation exists, so will we. Cut the crap! If you're immortal, why would you take away individual freedoms and censor the net? <laughs> Jack, don't be silly. Don't you know that our plans have your interests, not ours, in mind? What? Jack, listen carefully, like a good boy. The mapping of the human genome was completed early this century. As a result, the evolutionary log of the human race lay open to us. We started with genetic engineering. And in the end, we succeeded in digitizing life itself. But there are things not covered by genetic information. What do you mean? Human memories, ideas, culture, history. Genes don't contain any record of human history. Is it something that should not be passed on? Should that information be left at the mercy of nature? We've always kept records of our lives through words, pictures, symbols, from tablets to books. But not all the information was inherited by later generations. 
A small percentage of the whole was selected and processed, then passed on. Not unlike genes, really. That's what history is, Jack. But in the current digitized world, trivial information is accumulating every second, preserved in all its triteness, never fading, always accessible. Rumors about petty issues, misinterpretations, slander. All this junk data preserved in an unfiltered state, growing at an alarming rate. It will only slow down social progress, reduce the rate of evolution. Right. You seem to think that our plan is one of censorship. Are you telling me it's not? You're being silly. What we propose to do is not to control content, but to create context. Create context? The digital society furthers human flaws and selectively rewards development of convenient half-truths. Just look at the strange juxtapositions of morality around you. Billions spent on new weapons in order to humanely murder other humans. Rights of criminals are given more respect than the privacy of their victims. Although there are people suffering in poverty, huge donations are made to protect endangered species. Everyone grows up being told the same thing. Be nice to other people. But beat out the competition. You're special. Believe in yourself and you will succeed. But it's obvious from the start that only a few can succeed. You exercise your right to freedom, and this is the result. All rhetoric to avoid conflict and protect each other from hurt. The untested truths spun by different interests continue to churn and accumulate in the sandbox of political correctness and value systems. Everyone withdraws into their own small gated community, afraid of a larger forum. They stay inside their little ponds, leaking whatever truth suits them into the growing cesspool of society at large. The different cardinal truths neither clash nor mesh. No one is invalidated, but nobody is right. Not even natural selection can take place here. The world is being engulfed in truth. And this is the way the world ends. Not with a bang, but a whimper. We're trying to stop that from happening. It's our responsibility as rulers. Just as in genetics, unnecessary information and memory must be filtered out to stimulate the evolution of the species. And you think you're qualified to decide what's necessary and not? Absolutely. Who else could wade through the sea of garbage you people produce, retrieve valuable truths, and even interpret their meaning for later generations? That's what it means to create context. I'll decide for myself what to believe and what to pass on. But is that even your own idea? Or something Snake told you? <sighs> That's the proof of your incompetence right there. You lack the qualifications to exercise free will. That's not true. I have the right. Does something like a self exist inside of you? That which you call self serves as nothing more than a mask to cover your own being. In this era of ready-made truths, self is just something used to preserve those positive emotions that you occasionally feel. Another possibility is that self is a concept you conveniently borrowed under the logic that would endow you with some sense of strength. That's crap! Is it? Would you prefer that someone else tell you? All right, then. Explain it to him. Jack, you're simply the best. And you got there all by yourself. Oh, what happened? Do you feel lost? Why not try a bit of soul-searching? 
Don't think you'll find anything, though. Ironic that although self is something that you yourself fashion, every time something goes wrong, you turn around and place the blame on something else. It's not my fault. It's not your fault. In denial, you simply resort to looking for another, more convenient truth in order to make yourself feel better. Leaving behind in an instant the so-called truth you once embraced. Should someone like that be able to decide what is truth? Should someone like you even have the right to decide? You've done nothing but abuse your freedom. You don't deserve to be free. We're not the ones smothering the world. You are. The individual is supposed to be weak, but far from powerless. A single person has the potential to ruin the world. And the age of digitized communication has given even more power to the individual. Too much power for an immature species. Building a legacy involves figuring out what is wanted and what needs to be done for that goal. All this you used to struggle with. Now, we think for you. We are your guardians, after all. You want to control human thought? Human behavior? Of course. Anything can be quantified nowadays. That's what this exercise was designed to prove. You fell in love with me just as you were meant to, after all. Isn't that right, Jack? Ocelot was not told the whole truth, to say the least. We rule an entire nation. Of what interest would a single soldier, no matter how able, be to us? The S3 plan does not stand for solid snake simulation. What it does stand for is selection for societal sanity. The S3 is a system for controlling human will and consciousness. S3 is not you, a soldier trained in the image of Solid Snake. It is a method, a protocol that created a circumstance that made you what you are. So you see, we're the S3, not you. Crazy. You heard what President Johnson said. The Arsenal's GW system is the key to their supremacy. The objective of this exercise was to establish such a method. We used Shadow Moses as a paradigm for the exercise. I wonder if you would have preferred a fantasy setting. <laughs> We chose that back thought because of its extreme circumstances. It was an optimal test for S3's crisis management capacity. If the model could trigger, control, and solve this, it would be ready for any contingency. And now, we have our proof. Raiden, there are also reasons behind your selection. Solidus raised plenty of other child soldiers. Do you know why we chose you over them? Hmm. It was because you were the only one who refused to acknowledge the past. All the others remember what they were and pay for it daily. But you turn your back on everything you don't like. You do whatever you like, see only the things you like, and for yourself alone. Yes, Rose can attest to that. 
You refused to see me for what I was. I lied to you, but I wanted to be caught. You pretended to be understanding, to be a gentleman. You never made a conscious attempt to reach out to me. The only time you did was when I gave you no choice but to do so. I was just trying not to. What? Trying not to hurt me? Dear, the one you were trying not to hurt was yourself. Avoiding the truth under the guise of kindness is all that you did. It occurred to you to do nothing but look out for yourself. Even if you claim that it was for my sake, that feeling was nowhere to be seen. In the end, everything was for your sake. I was never part of the picture. <laughs> exactly right. So you see, you're a perfect representative of the masses we need to protect. This is why we chose you. You accepted the fiction we've provided, obeyed our orders, and did everything you were told to. The exercise is a resounding success. Didn't I tell you that GW was still incomplete? But not anymore, thanks to you. Your persona, experiences, triumphs, and defeats are nothing but byproducts. The real objective was ensuring that we could generate and manipulate them. It's taken a lot of time and money, but it was well worth it considering the results. I think that's enough talk. It's time for the final exercise. Raiden, take Solidus down. Think again. I'm through doing what I'm told. Oh, really? Aren't you forgetting something? If you die, my child dies. The termination of vital signals from your nanomachines means the death of Olga's child. Not to mention the death of Rose. She's wired the same way. Rose, does she actually exist? Of course I do, Jack. You have to believe me. Damn! It will be a fight to the death. Solidus at least wants you dead. We will collect the necessary data from this last fight. Then we'll consider the exercise closed. So, Jack the Ripper, will it be Solidus, the Patriot's creation, or you, Solidus's creation? Our beloved monsters, enjoy yourselves. Does Rose exist? Soren Kierkegaard, do we exist? And if we do, what does it matter? Nihilism, existentialism. We created God and then we killed him. Je doute, donc je pense, donc je suis. Dubito ergo cogito, or cogito, ergo sum. I think there, I doubt, therefore I think, therefore I am. But am I? Can I doubt? Or is doubting just part of the simulation? And therefore, if doubting is part of the simulation, does doubting create a simulated thinking? And with that thinking, simulated, I am? Je suis? Yosum. You're controlled. And you don't think you are. But you are. And it's sad, because I know this hour and 30 is not going to convince you. Don't matter how much I belabor the point. 
or use video games to help me. But that 12 minutes you just listened to with Rose and Jack and the Colonel, that was written by Tomokazu Fukushima and Hideo Kojima in the video game Metal Gear Solid 2, which hit store shelves in November of 2001. 20 years ago this November. And it's very apropos. We are formless. Our beloved monsters. Enjoy yourselves.